For nearly 50 years, Town & Country Sports has been the heartbeat of youth sports in North Austin, promoting fair play, sportsmanship, and most importantly, fun. TNC Sports is for kids of all ages, no matter the skill level, and we encourage the whole family to get involved. Right now, registration is open for soccer, flag football, baseball, girls volleyball, softball, lacrosse, and more. Space is limited. Don't wait. Sign up today at tncsports.org. TNC Sports. Come play with us. Back to the Parent Portal Show. I've got Coach James Gumbert with me, co-hosting again. And, of course, we've uh, had a great a uh, couple of sessions already, but now we have Lois Detman joining us. Lois, good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Happy We're holidays, so, everybody. Happy holidays to you, too. Yeah. We're yeah, so happy, happy that you could join us. Thank you. Um, Lois, you know, you have been involved in, in special education. You've got a BS in special ed and a master's mm-hmm. in counseling and guidance from the yes. University of Texas and 24 uh-huh. years of experience in education as a special ed teacher, that's amazing. Uh, school counselor at all levels, including mm-hmm. student assistant counselor for Westlake High School and, and communities right. and schools. And you were the director of guidance for Eanes ISD and the counselor facilitator at Round Rock Independent School, uh, school District, named uh, Eanes Outstanding Administrator and a finalist for the Association of Texas Professional Educators in 1995. Um, and, and, you know, and before all that, you were a cheerleader at the University of Texas for three years yes. and you coached the cheerleaders for six years at UT. Yes. Well, and, and you're married to that great guy, Greg Detman. I know him. <laughs> he was a basketball player at UT, too, and now the mm-hmm. owner of Sports Court in Austin and Austin Ports of Floors. And right. I think you have two grown children, and yes. the, the, here's the best accomplishment of all of it, six grandchildren. Yes, six that's grandchildren. Awesome. Isn't that amazing? Six, it's wonderful. That's awesome. That is so awesome. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. that that's a great bio and a great background. Uh, but Thank I think you. the reason we wanted to get you on with us today mm-hmm. is we wanted to talk a little bit about project graduation. So that's something that uh, is kind of new over, you know, not new this year, but it's only been in the last 10 years that I've been aware of it for sure. And it's certainly grown mm-hmm. in some of the school programs that I've been involved right. in. But you've had some right. background with that. Is that correct? Yes. Well, well actually, in 19, I think in 1990, I was working with the community and schools um, in Westlake, and there was a great teacher at the high school, Karen McGill, who taught social studies, and she knew high school kids, and she knew that they needed to do something to protect them at graduation. Uh, right special event, lots of alcohol availability and all of that. So we partnered up, got the community involved, and that was 1990. We did our first project graduation. I think we probably had 90% of all of the graduates attend, and we were vigilant about making sure that we promised the community, all the parents, that it would be an alcohol and other drug-related free environment. And so they, they did their graduation in the stadium. Okay. Um, and so we let the kids, they brought all of their 
duffel bags and change of clothes and toothbrush if they wanted that. And they delivered those to the school early in the day. We had drug dogs come and sniff out all of those bags to make sure that what they were leaving, they would have with them all night, was chemical free. And that was that worked out great. We let them give a quick hug to mom and dad and, and parents as they got through with graduation, and we marched them directly. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not go out to the parking lot. Uh, to get something else from your car, you were going straight into the gymnasium, and we had the rest of the school decorated not like a school. It was decked out in all kinds of things that were pretty fun and exciting, and from then on, we kept them until six in the morning that night, all night long, had games had food, an incredible sure. amount of food for those kids, um, and had an incredible amount of gifts, party favors, if you would call it. But as long as you sure. stayed all night long, you had an opportunity, a good opportunity, to get a new computer, a new laptop, a dorm refrigerator, wow. um, <laughs> new cell phone. I mean, whoa. I'd stay all night for the opportunity to get oh, some of that you, stuff. you had my boys at free food. I mean, they would have stayed for that. <laughs> oh, so that's goodness. great. Yeah. Well, that's a great, yeah. that's a great program. And it, well, it worked and, out great. And you, you are, uh, you know, you're talking about a program that is, you know, is something I think culturally has just come about with the attitudes of uh, the need to address a, a problem. And the problem is, uh, drinking and drug use during the graduation mm -hmm. in the prom season. And we've, right. you know, you know, coach and I grew up at a time when, you know, we, I was legal to drink when I was still in high school. That's back when 18 was, uh, I was too. Yeah. I was too. We didn't know what we know now about we the brain development. We didn't mm -hmm. use seatbelts either. Just so we're all clear. That's right. So, That's it, right. Was a, it was a different time, yeah. but you know, yep. some of the statistics, Lois, and I, I, you know, I've got a few of them here. I'd love for you to kind of help, mm -hmm. help us kind of think through this. But, you know, one of the ones that jumps out to me is the AAA uh, statistic that talks about 31% of teens said that it's likely that they or their friends would use drugs or consume alcohol during prom and graduation season. And uh, right. that's staggering to me, uh, especially given the fact that right. it's illegal. You know, the, it's not legal right. for kids to do that. Just so we're yeah. all clear. Um, right. Mm -hmm. But, the, the, you know, yeah. that that's Very that true. addresses some of the problem and kind of points out some of the problem uh, that, we, that we do have to address at this mm -hmm. day and age. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's there. And 60% of high school seniors have abused alcohol either right before they become a senior or at least during their senior year. So yeah. 60%, that's a lot of kids. It yeah. is. A lot of kids. Mm -hmm. Well, another stat I'll throw out, and, you know, I think, I think it's good to kind of think about these numbers a little bit. 87% of teens believe that their friends are more likely to drink and drive than call their parents mm -hmm. or, or another resp right. responsible adult. And that's just, right. to me, that's, that's, a scary, that's a scary number. 
Well, it's very scary. And we do know about brain development that this frontal cortex doesn't totally, completely develop until at least the age of 21. Usually 24, 25, within those early 20s. And that part of your brain is decision-making, critical thinking. And so if you don't have that ability to make good decisions completely developed yet, and then you add alcohol on top of that, that's a recipe for disaster. Who's, who's going to call their mom or their dad to come get them if they don't even have the logical thinking skills to do that anyway? So that's, that's very high risky, but very true. You know, Lois, and it's, it's such a pleasure to have you with us here today. Um, and, and what a timely thing. And when I think about my life, um, as a high school student, which was, feels like when the dinosaurs were walking around on the earth, you know, <laughs> I know, but, I know. you know, a lot of the things that Stephen was talking about, uh, were, were similar in my world. I mean, um, mm-hmm. it was okay to drink and, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't wear seat belts. We didn't do, you know, we just, the laws back then were more of a guideline. It felt like than actual rules. And, right. uh, so it, it left itself open to a lot of, in uh, a bad decision-making. And right. uh, one of the things that I'm curious about with, you know, your project is, is that, um, is how do you, when and how do you start, uh, putting this out to, uh, the students? Because I mean, if you wait till day of to have this conversation, it's too late, you know, oh, because, yeah, right. Right. you know, the planning that goes on for a party like something like that, you know, happens months, maybe years in advance. Years. And I'd be interested yes. to see uh-huh. when mm-hmm. it is that you open the door, if you will, and mm-hmm. uh, start that discussion start that with planning. not only the students, but the, the parents. Yes. And it's not just the parents, it's the entire community as right. well. We always, and I, I was on the project graduation uh, team for my daughter's graduation from Westwood. And then I chaired, I was a co-chair for my son's project graduation. Yeah. The team members, the parent team members would go to the meetings of the previous year's committee. Okay. So we were sitting through those committee, watching how they planned and what they talked about at least, it was two years in advance. So we sat through those committee meetings. And then when it was our turn, we met with parents at the back to school night for the seniors. So we're there right right on the doorstep saying, hey. This is what we want to do. We want to keep your child safe, not only through the year, but especially through the graduation night. And we need your help. And so we would talk about how much it costs to put it on, how much that would be per person, and how many fundraisers we had planned already, scheduled, planned, get ready for this kind of thing. Um, So we hit that boots on the ground at least at back to school night. So we had a, our team would, would meet, we would meet once a month during the senior year, but during the last two months, we'd meet every week. 
to make sure that we were on board. And I'm assuming, yeah, no doubt. And I'm assuming at some point, you know, it kind of became a life of its own. The the students knew that this was going to happen, right? Right. Right. When did you tell the students like, okay, this year we're going to be doing this again. And Mm -hmm. this is what you can start planning on with the students. Well, it, like you said, it kind of develops a, a life of its own. Right. And so during the spring of their junior year, mm-hmm. we started by selling T-shirts that said Project Graduation, da, 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 whatever it was. And we had sponsors on the back. We had lots of sponsors that would pay for those T-shirts. So we would either sell them for a dollar or give them away. So we, we had some walking advertising going. Right. Starting in the spring of their junior year and then carried that through. But they all had older friends that had gone to Project Graduation the year before, two years before, maybe an older brother, been there four years before. And they word of mouth is probably the best connection we ever had because the kids talked about it. Wow, that was so much fun. Oh my gosh, the night went by so fast and we did this casino night and we'd had this climbing wall and you know, they were just raving about it. So when when those seniors start raving about it and your soon to be senior starts hearing about it, it's like, "Oh, I better that's kind of what you do." Yeah, and what a, a powerful message that is in comparison, "Hey, come have fun and drink with us out by the lake." <laughs> You know, on, yeah. on your graduation, right? Well, and what, and a, it's, what a balance Yeah, if you had 90% of your kids, I think we had 98% when my son graduated. Wow. If you have 98% of your friends going over here, that's right. then this is not going to look like so much fun over here. Yeah, so it's I mean, kind of a, everybody do the bandwagon in a positive direction. That's a great message because, you know, the other the other side of that message, you know, is like all the cool people are doing this. And if all right. the cool people are there, you'll get everybody. And it's it's <laughs> yeah. It, and, and here's yeah. the part is it's like, you know, uh, one is promising safe environments and one is is promise is really promising danger. You know, you Very can say much. it's cool, but it's really danger. And right. uh, to right. that point, yeah. it's what a great idea and I, I sure I'm sure having lived through some of this stuff that it came from you know just tragedy you know somebody got injured yes. or somebody was unfortunately killed you know yes. as something and mm-hmm. what an incredible way that our community and that's what our you know mm-hmm. podcast is about a community yeah can get active right. and get behind something and make amen. a difference amen well statistics say that even now over 4,000, like 4,200 teenagers die each year. And most of that is alcohol related in some way. So now that's 4,000 in the whole country. Oh, the kids are saying that's not going to be me. That, But the parents are saying it might be mine and I don't want that to happen. So they, if, if you can save one kid, yeah, gosh, the whole community, you know, can celebrate. Um, Absolutely. All it takes is one tragic accident for it to affect every parent and every community member. 
in a negative way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and well, in, in, um, um, just to kind of put a little uh, personal note there, I lost a cousin uh, during the graduation se- uh, season, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. he, she was had graduated from high school. She had gotten in a car with a couple of students and they got in a car wreck and, and that was it, you know, and she was a wonderful, mm-hmm. sweet person. And, and, uh, you know, oh. we, we, those tragedies yeah, happen. I'm and, so sorry. Oh, well, I'm so it, sorry. It, yeah. And it's been a long time since that's happened. So right. you, you move on, but right. to your point, mm-hmm. I mean that, that those are tragedies. Those are real life stories that, yes. you know, young people are so, um, you know, especially uh, athletes, you know, when we start talking about our athletes and, and our kids that are um, in the, in the mindset that they're invincible. You know, I remember that time frame. Exactly. I would never think that those statistics applied to me or that. Of course uh, not. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's what we're trying to overcome. Right. And that's part of the challenge is, is trying Mm -hmm. to change that mindset. You know, a lot of communities have gone also not to just a project graduation, but also a project prom. Mm. And prom is another one of those high risk events that can be joyous and wonderful, but also tragic um, under the wrong kind of circumstances. So there's lots of efforts out there to prevent those tragedies. And I think we need to continue those as well as look for additional opportunities. You know, it's one of the things that you're, you know, I, I hear a common theme is alcohol and drugs, right? Whether it's, well, it's whether it's, it's graduation. Really te- technically it's alcohol and other drugs because alcohol is a, is a drug. drug. That's fair. And we, we tend to say, oh, it's just alcohol. <laughs> it is no. a drug. Yes. Yeah, and, you, and and to your point, it is. Um, it's not a mutually exclusive thing that just happens on graduation or prom. Right. Um, my right. accident where I became paralyzed uh, happened on Christmas night, and you know, holidays. Yeah. You're you're around, and you got nothing but time, and you go hang out with the cool people, mm-hmm. and you do stupid things, and stupid yes. things happen, and yes. bad things happen, and you know, it's. Um, it really comes down to the message of being able to sit down with your kids, in my opinion, and say, right. here's why it's bad. You know, here's mm-hmm. why, here's what can happen. Can it, mm-hmm. will it happen every time? No. no. But do you want it to be right. the time it happens to you? And that right. answer has to be no too. Right. And the more that parents have those unsettling, those uneasy conversations with their kids, mm-hmm. uh, it, it means everything. I, I never had right? that conversation with my folks and yeah. my folks were my heroes. Well, and I never had that conversation. But mm-hmm. if I, I told myself, I'm going to have that conversation with my kids often. Amen. And, oh, and I, I think that's and, a challenge. I think that's a challenge for us as parents, yes. not to wait just to project graduation to oh, be no. able to oh, have no. that. Oh, right. 12 years old. <laughs> Start talking yeah. about it. At yeah. They're 12 yeah. No years doubt. Old because there is alcohol use, alcohol and other drug use with middle schoolers too. So you've yeah. got to set that stage. You've got to pour that foundation really early and continue to build on it. Um, gosh, until it is legal for them. And sometimes parents give a mixed message that, um, I think it's kind of really critical 
for us as parents to to hear what we're actually saying. Some parents will say, well, you can drink as long as you don't drive. Mm. Well, what the kid heard is you, you can, can drink. drink. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they needed. That's all they wanted to hear. They didn't hear the part that said, as long as you don't drive. So we have to be really careful about how we present it and what we're really saying. What we're really saying is, it's not okay. It's in a health way, in an emotional way, in an academic way, in a safety way, all of those things uh, until you're 21. And there's a biological reason for that. Yeah. Your frontal well, lobe is just not I'll, there. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll jump in on that. You know, it's a temptation. Mm-hmm. You know, that this oh, is yeah. just one of many that these kids are facing at this age. And mm-hmm. and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll share that I was mm-hmm. very careful in our household about drinking around the boys. Um, you know, I, right. I had kind of a personal idea that, you know, if I'm telling them that these are rules that they have to live by, I don't need mm-hmm. to be, uh, you know, I, it, it's not that I didn't drink, but it, I dread, I, I was very careful and right. I didn't, uh, right. I didn't make mm-hmm. a big deal out of drinking in front of them. And, yeah. uh, you know, good I plan. Hope, well, and I seems to have worked pretty well. The boys, That's my two good. oldest ones seem to be doing pretty well with their, uh, ideas and attitudes about consumption mm-hmm. by alcohol. And mm-hmm. I've got a 15 year old that, you know, I think he's pretty <laughs> responsible, but Good. I mean, unless yeah. it comes to dirty clothes on his floor, then we have a totally well. different discussion at that point. <laughs> then you just close the door. <laughs> totally. well, no, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> the smell eventually will get to you. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can't leave it close. Yeah. Well, so. you know, you mentioned something, uh, Stephen, that, that triggered a, a thought for me. Um, many, well, I think the majority of high school students and there's research that says the majority about 80 percent of them perceive that everybody else is drinking and therefore i need to fit in with that and that's it's not true it's a misperception like we talked about 30 percent of them are but that means 70 percent are not right so you know feeding into that Trying to educate them about that misperception can be very powerful. Yeah. Because as they think everybody is doing that, that impacts their behavior to do that. Yeah. So if they know that, no, not everybody is doing that, you got 70% of the people around you who are not drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, uh, and finding and, ways to celebrate those and um, connect with those people is, is a really strong strategy for parents. Well, and that's what I love about it. And, it, you know, what you've <laughs> brought to us today is a discussion about community and a discussion about yes. the role that parents have in a young adult's mm-hmm. life. And as mm-hmm. they are coming up through this this path that they're going down the role that we have, the opportunity and the privilege that we have to guide these young people in the right direction and making it engaging and fun. And it's just something Mm -hmm. that they want to be a part of that, you know, hallelujah, you know, that's, that's what we want out of this. And that's the right way to go the bat. Exactly. Yes. Totally agree. I'm going to end it. Coach. 
Coach, I want to thank you for sharing your personal story because that really, those personal stories really bring it home and really make it real. Statistics are fine and they're important, but that's just a number. And when I, you can put the story to a face and a life and an experience, it really, it, it's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And and I, I remember back to, you said something earlier that just hit a bone. It was like, uh, you never think it'll happen to you, right? Exactly. And, and so I grew up in small town, Texas, small town, <laughs> no, not even a red light, small town kind of thing. And <laughs> But we had a assembly in middle school and Mm -hmm. they brought a guy in a wheelchair and he came out and he just talked about, you know, what it was like. Cause I'd never even seen anybody in a wheelchair. I mean, the only thing you saw was like the Jerry Lewis telethon or Perry Mason. There was just nobody in our community. Right. And he talked Mm -hmm. about the dangers and, and the things that he had done wrong that, you know, led him to, making bad choices and ended up in a wheelchair. And I was like, that'll never happen to me. Never. I can put myself in that, in that gymnasium when he said it. And I'm like, why are we here? Why in the world are we wasting our time in this? Uh And Uh circa five years later, you know, um, Christmas night, I make a terrible choice, horrible choice. And it changed my life forever. And it's, to your point is, is like, we don't always know what our purposes are on this earth. Right. But one of mine is being able to say, don't be me. Don't make this stupid choice. Right. You know, because it will change your life. And Mm -hmm. I think those moments are, are painful because you, you think it won't happen to you. And, you know, you feel sorry and apathy and pity for that, Mm -hmm. that moment. But in the other mm-hmm. side of it is you want to ignore it because if you ignore it, it'll never happen to me. And right. you are the person that I'm talking to, because mm-hmm. if you don't think it can happen to you, it's going, it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen hundred percent, hundred percent going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen prices rise from the dinner table to the pump, but all state agents are seeing ways to save you money on insurance. From starting a new policy to bundling coverage or even driving safely, all state agents know how to maximize your savings. They'll share their knowledge as they help you personalize your coverage. Because when it comes to seeing all the ways to save, all state agents do it best. Mike Hammer has over 35 years as an Austin area all state agent. Call 512 343 6994 or visit MikeHammer at Allstate.com. Savings vary. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Parent Portal Show. 